You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Two years ago, we began this Kainos journey. We jumped in and said, we're going to go for it. And we're going to have a resource initiative that we're just going to say, wow, Lord, what could you do? How could you do your work through us? And it doesn't end today. I want to be super clear. It ends December 31st, okay? So it's not going to go as well if we think it ends as today. So all the way to December 31st, but we are celebrating it today. And I want to share with you basically two places in the scripture. One is in Revelation chapter 21. If you'll turn your Bible there, Revelation 21. And then about midway through the message, we're going to jump into Luke chapter three is what we're going to do. And so we've got for you your notes that you can take. We've got a piece that we're going to look through as well, but we want to start in Revelation chapter 21. Now, when you look in Revelation chapter 21, it's a chapter that's talking about new, all the things that are new. God loves new things. Think about it like this. You are looking right now into the New Testament because you have a new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer in Christ, you're a new creation in Christ. And he wants to show you new things so that when the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth comes and you stand before the Lord and you sing a new song to the King of Kings, it's all connecting. That's all kainos. The word kainos, let me define it for you and write it down in your listening guide. You've heard it before if you've been with us for a good while, but kainos means this, brand new, having never previously existed or something remarkable. Brand new, it's the Greek word for brand new, having never previously existed or something remarkable. And that's what we've done over these last two years. We've been able to say, God, we want you to do some new things if you remember two years ago, we gave you a big book filled with all the stuff that we we're going to do. This is my copy. So I got my little dog ear places of where I was going to preach to you different things out of it. And we've got all this. And now we're here at the two year mark to be able to celebrate all that God has done. Look into Revelation chapter 21. We're going to begin in verse one. We're going to read through verse five and we're going to see this word new. So here's this word. It's the Greek word kainos. Here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no longer. I saw the holy city, the new or kainos Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens from God, prepared like a bride ordained, or, uh, ordained for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the tr- throne, look, God is dwelling with humanity, and he will live with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them, and they will be, and he will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer be. Grief, crying, pain will be no longer because the previous things have passed away. Now, just stop right there. Does that sound good or what? Just right there. That's good enough. We got that. That's amazing. Verse five, the one seated on the throne, that's God. Look, I am making everything kainos. Everything kind of us. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. So we have been on a journey of new, of being able to say, we want to walk in the new things that God has done. Now, I'm going to preach that whole passage of scripture because we went through the entire book of Revelation just a while back and we preached all about that. But that's been our theme verse of new. Now, let me give you a little bit of a, a background thought on this. We started this Kainos vision. We were excited about it. We were ready to go. We had actually given the vision to some leaders. We were ready as a staff. Everything was great. And then this thing called COVID showed up and it wrecked everything, right? 
And so we had to take a step back and in God's timing, pull back and say, okay, Lord, we're gonna trust you with the timing here. We're totally ready, totally leaned in, ready to go, but we're gonna trust you. We're gonna pull back on these projects because you know, COVID, we were just hoping anybody would show back up to church again, right? We didn't even have a church. And then we ended up, once COVID was, was you know, we got to the place where we could be back in, in normal stuff. Then we stepped out and we were like, okay, God, here we go. And let me tell you what, that was a moment of bravery vision for us as a church. Because who knows what the world was gonna look like, right? And we said, we're gonna step out and we stepped out and God blessed it in an amazing, amazing way. All things new. We waited on God's timing. We asked for a couple of things just in this first few pages of this book on page nine. The first thing that we got to is we asked for 100% engagement. That's what we wanted. 100% participation. We want everybody to participate. And then the second thing that we were shooting for was that we'd be able to do all these projects and be able to see all this stuff. But the first thing we wanted was we wanted everybody involved because we knew if everybody was involved, everything would take care of itself. If the people of God in the church all asked, Lord, what would you have me do? What's the number you've laid on my heart? How can I participate? And if everybody stepped forward, then at that moment, everything else would take care of itself. And it sure enough did. God blessed us in a tremendous way. And if you haven't jumped in yet, hey, in this ninth inning, in this fourth quarter, in this late hour, in this 11 o'clock before midnight, jump in because you're gonna hear some great things that have happened and you're gonna wanna be a part of this. So we all jumped in and I love just saying everybody from kids jumping in, from senior adults jumping in, all campuses, Siena, Cypress, downtown, the loop, everybody jumping in, webcast, our digital family jumping in. And we had one person, this was really cool. They heard this message and they were like, okay, 100% participation, where I'm going for it. So we got this letter from this man who was actually in prison. He was in prison and right now, Folks in prison are watching our webcast. So hello to those that are watching from prison. It's great how we're able to outreach in that way. And so here's what he wrote. Let me show you the letter. Here's what he said. Dear First Baptist, I'm not a member of your church, but I do love Christ. And I realize how far he has brought me. There's redemption, do you know? There's redemption. Please accept my tithes and my obedience. And then he sent us this check. I've never seen a check like this before. Texas Department of Criminal Justice Inmate Trust Fund, First Baptist Church, $9. $9. He said, hey, I've done some stuff wrong. I'm here and I'm, I'm, I wanna jump in. Can we just give him a cheer? Can we give just redemption a cheer? It's awesome. It's awesome what God can do. Now, just so you know, if you're planning on going to prison, you don't make a lot of money while you're there, okay? So that's, that's one incentive to stay out. But here we have $9 coming. And you know what? That's 100% participation. We wanna be able to see the widow's might, if you will, to, to somebody's millions, whatever it is. But to be able to have all of us joining in, because when we all join in, God does something great. It's amazing to see that. The Lord has blessed us in amazing ways. I want you to take this, if you will, and I want you to open it up because I wanna show you some of the things that God has done. Now, we've worked really, really hard to communicate with you as a church all the things that we had planned when we had this huge, big book, all the things that we've done. <clears throat> we've had videos, uh, you know, over and over and over. We've had videos showing you things. I hope this doesn't sound too corporate to you, but this is what I told our staff. I want us to have proof of performance is what I want. 
Okay, so I'm not trying to be corporate, but I'm just trying to give some leadership to our side. We want proof of performance. We want to show what God's done through this. And so this is a little bit, if you will, of that. So look right underneath, um, uh, on the left-hand side, right underneath my little note there to you. Primary engagement, 100% participation. Secondary goal, the monetary part. Look at what God has done to the right. Uh, 1,788 first-time givers. 6,721 total givers. $112 million in anticipated receipts from Kainos. Now, I want you to look particularly at the first-time givers. Almost 2,000 people jumping in for the very first time giving to our church. That's incredible. Now, that could be one person as a single. That could be a family of four. You know, all of these numbers could be, you know, they're giving units, if you will, of families and people together. Husband and wife give together. Well, that's gonna count as one person to be able to give like that. Can we just give a cheer for 2,000 almost first-time givers? It's amazing. Hey, and I want you to know we are proud of you if you're a first-time giver. If you stepped in for the first time, I've been giving for decades. Let me just tell you, I'm scared not to give is where I am. I'm like, we're giving. We're, we've seen God's blessing. We're, we are not gonna not give. We are full in and it's the joy of our lives. You couldn't take it away from us. We love giving. It's a blessing to be able to give and to be generous. But first-time givers, it's hard. It's like, ah, ah, stepping out. I remember my aunt and uncle, they were believers and they'd take me to church when I go visit them and my cousins. And, um, and I remember on Sunday morning, I remember seeing my uncle writing a check to bring his tithe to the church. Now, I know this is gonna sound silly. I had never seen anybody give a large enough amount that required a check. I'd seen reach for your wallet and, well, I got a 20, I don't wanna give a 20, I'll give a 10. I'd seen cash come by, little tips for God kind of stuff coming by. But I'd never seen anybody with a giving heart write a check. Now, students, ask your parents what a check is, okay? So it's like Venmo with paper, all right? But to be able to, to have this and to write a check, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like blown away. Never seen anything more than two-digit giving. Nothing that would require a check. But first-time givers, you stepped out in a way, and we want you to know we're proud of you, and we hope not just to the church, but that you will be a generous person the rest of your life and experience the blessings of God. We say this all the time in our church. Don't get ever tired of hearing it. it we, it's not something that God asks from you. Generosity is not something God asks from you. It's, at, or excuse let me get it right. Here we go. It's not that something that God asks from you. It's something that God asks for you. It's for you, not from you and that the Lord wants to bless you with that. So we have these new givers, which is great, and all the folks that you've given, and just, just like I have, what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing to be a faithful, generous giver in my life and in your life. It's a blessing. Then if you look further on, our commission, all the things that we've been able to do, this is through our budget, two years of our, our great commission budget is what we call it. We've had uh, 1,557 new church members, so uh, 1,500 new church members, 974 baptisms, 4,987 children attended vacation Bible school. Now, you know these are real true numbers because we could not find 13 more kids to get it to 5,000. It's driving me crazy as a type A person, right? I was like, surely somebody bring all their cousins. Let's go. Let's get this going. So these are real numbers. And then you can see the rest going here, local missions and involved in mission trips as well. Look up at the top right in our community, uh, just a long list. And I could give you a message on every single one of those things, of things God has done in these last two years at every campus 
all throughout our city, God doing his work in an amazing way. Our compassion that we've loved people by furthering the gospel in our city, our nation, our world. This is Bible translations that we've given a half a million dollars to Bible translations. We've been able to give church revitalization. We've been able to plant churches. We've had different difference maker ventures where we've started ministries. Entrepreneurial ministries have come to us and we funded them and helped them to go out. We've helped with orphan and vulnerable care. We have helped in so many ways with our commission, our community, and our compassion in seeing God do a great thing. Now, here's the great part of this. I hope that you'll take this. I hope you'll read this. I hope you'll, you'll really look over this. Use this as a prayer guide, maybe for the next week to just pray for some of these things and say, Lord, wow, bless this, do this, make this great, make some amazing things happen. But here's the big question. Here's the big question. Have we pleased God? Right? We can raise a bunch of money. We can build a bunch of buildings. We can have all sorts of programs. But the question is this. Here's the big question. Have we pleased God as a church and personally? Now, you know the way you please God as a church is the individuals in the church please God, right? It's not this entity just pleases God. The people of the church, that's what the church is. It's the people. It's the body of Christ. The people of God are pleasing God. So then, therefore, the church is pleasing to God. So have we pleased God? That's the big question. And that's what was on my heart all this week. And as I was preparing this message and thinking about this, okay, have we pleased God? Because we can do all this stuff and have all the bells and whistles, but have we pleased God? I want you to turn to Luke chapter three, verse 21. Luke chapter three, verse 21. And we're gonna see here where Jesus, it's gonna be spoken that he pleases God. Now, we know that Jesus pleases God. We get it. Jesus always pleases God. He is God. He's God's son. So he's always pleasing God. But we wanna be Christ-like and if we're Christ-like, then we're also pleasing to God, right? So let's look and see in this passage of Scripture about pleasing God. Now, as you're turning there, I want to give you vision, okay? I'm giving you vision for the month of December. This is what we're doing as a church in the month of December, okay? So I want you all to come with me. I'm already, I've already been doing it. I want you to come with me to do it. I want us to all jump in and go for it together because it'll really minister to your heart, I think, in a great way. The Gospel of Luke is what our focus is for the month of December. There's 24 chapters in the Gospel of Luke, and there's 24 days in December before you get to December. So we're going to read as a church, all of us individually, we're going to read a chapter of Luke every day of December, all right? So Luke 1, December 1. Luke 2, December 2. Luke 3, December 3. This is December 3rd. If you're already behind, hey, no problem. Start today. That's great. Luke 4 tomorrow. Luke 5. We're going to read a chapter of Luke, and if some of the chapters get a little long, hey, put it down. Pick it back up before you go to bed, okay? Don't, don't feel like you got to just go through it. Let it be a joy, all right? And go through it. Here's what'll happen. If we go through those 24 chapters of Luke in the 24 days leading up to Christmas, we will know the who, the what, and the why of this baby in Bethlehem, right? We'll see his birth. We're gonna see in just a minute his baptism. And I'm gonna preach Luke 3 on December 3rd, Luke 10, Mary and Martha on December 10th, Luke 17 on December 17th, and Luke 24, the resurrection of Jesus on Christmas Eve, we're gonna talk about the cross and the cradle are connected. And we're gonna do that. And we're gonna, and we're gonna get there. And we're gonna hold our candles and we're gonna bend through the gospel of Luke, which is gonna be great. In that same realm, I've, I wrote a devotional guide for us to go through. Um, 25 
uh, devotionals based on the, the book of Luke. So every day, so like today is December 3rd and it's about Luke 3. Tomorrow's gonna be December 4th. It's gonna be about Luke 4 and it's gonna go along. So you can grab this at Corner Books, buy it and follow along with this. It's great, it's super readable. I hope it's good, I hope it blesses you. But this is in our vision of us going along. So with that in mind, Gospel of Luke every day, little small devotional every day of December, we're gonna get to that Christmas Eve. We're gonna hold those candle lights. We're gonna get to that Christmas morning. We're gonna go, I know the who, I know the what, and I know the why of this baby Jesus. It struck me this week. You know, you can go through all through December and never spend a bit of time with God because you're so busy. Let's spend time with God. Luke chapter three, let's look in our Bibles at the baptism of Jesus in verse 21. Here it is. Now watch this. Let me show you something as we go along. You're gonna see the Trinity in here. You're gonna see God the Father, you're gonna see the Holy Spirit, and you're gonna see Jesus the Son. See if you can pick it out. When all the people were baptized, that's by John the Baptist, previous in the chapter, Jesus was also baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. So we got the Son and we got the Holy Spirit. And a voice came from heaven, this is God the Father, you are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. So here we have the pleasure of God on Jesus Christ. It's his baptism. Now, John's been baptizing people in the wilderness, but he's been baptizing them. The repentance of sin, then they're baptized. Jesus is not being baptized because he's repented from sin. Jesus has never sinned. It's called the impeccability of Christ is the big theological word. He is sinless son of God. That's why he can die for us to pay for our sins because he's never sinned. So we receive the payment of Christ, his sinlessness, that we who have sinned can take his blood upon us. It's Jesus you see uh, in, in me. It's Christ that covers us. So he is being baptized, not for the repentance of sin. He's being baptized to connect his ministry with John's ministry, who is the forerunner of Christ. So if you look in the scriptures, John's to declare is the forerunner of Christ. A Messiah is coming. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's gonna baptize you in the power of the spirit. And so now Jesus connects with that and he's giving us an example as well. We've been doing baptism days in our church. It's been awesome. See hundreds of people baptized. Maybe you need to follow Christ's example in being baptized that we're seeing right here. And then God the Father splits the heavens and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. There's three times in the gospel that you get a heavenly declaration to Jesus, okay? Three times. This one, you know this one. Second one, I bet you know as well. It's called the transfiguration, right? God speaks out. And then the last one is actually the, the passion week, the week before he's crucified. And it's found in John chapter 20, or John chapter 12, verse 28. And it says, and then the father said, after Jesus said, glorify your name, father. Then a voice came from heaven and said, I've glorified it and I will glorify it again. So Jesus on that week before he dies. We also know in the Christmas story, the angels are gonna speak to the shepherds. And when you announce a birth of a child, put it on Instagram, send us something in the mail. When you announce the birth of a savior, heaven's gonna split open. Angels are gonna show up. God's voice is gonna be there. The Holy Spirit's gonna come down like a dove. It's gonna be an amazing declaration. This is not just a baby. This is the Messiah of God. So the birth in Bethlehem, the baptism here, and then the cross of Christ to the resurrection, to the second coming, to make all things new in Revelation. Wow, what a story, what a journey. So 
pleasing God, this is before Jesus performed any miracles, pleasing God was based in his identity as the son of God. I don't want you to miss this. And when you and I trust Jesus Christ and our identity is in Christ, when we are Christians, when we have believed in Jesus and Jesus covers us, pleasing God is first from our identity and then shown in our activity. That's very important. Because we think it's in our activity to try to create our identity. No, I'm preaching to you right now because I'm a Christian, not to try to become a Christian. I'm preaching to you right now because Jesus Christ loves me and I'm his child and I'm approved by God, not to try to earn that. It's called grace. It's called grace. So Jesus is pleasing to God. And if we are in Christ, our new identity, new identity, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, for your, the old creation is gone, the new creation has come. You have a new identity in Christ. That new identity, you are pleasing to God in Christ. And from that, you live your life. Do you see the difference? Instead of trying to get it, I'm living from it instead of for it. Now, I wanna give you five things Five reasons why I think we have pleased God with Kainos as a church. Now, these could be five reasons also you could take and say, I want to be pleasing to God personally. I want to be pleasing to God personally. So church, yes, but personally, yes, as well. Five reasons. Here we are. Now, let me quickly say before we jump in, I am not saying we're a perfect church. I'm not saying we're a sinless church. I'm not saying I'm a perfect pastor. I'm not saying I'm a sinless pastor. Hey, we're in Christ, though. And we have sought to please him over these two years. And if we haven't pleased God and all we've done is build stuff, we failed, okay? We failed. We've got to please God. Five reasons. Number one, growth, growth. Write it down in your listening guide. We've cultivated hearts of sacrifice and trust. We've cultivated hearts of sacrifice and trust. Then we've said, Lord, we want to trust you. I hope in these two years, first time givers, regular givers, whatever, that you've cultivated a heart of trust and a heart of growth. Maybe this thing with this Luke challenge, maybe it's, maybe you're like, I'm not reading a chapter a day. I've never read a chapter a day of anything in my life. I'm not doing it. Then you're the perfect candidate that needs to do it. Grow, grow. Take that step out. And if you don't grow in that, I mean, read this little bitty thing. And to be able to at least take a step of growth, we've cultivated our hearts. It's hard to give, it's hard to sacrifice, but we've done it and we've grown. Number two, we've pleased God because we've been unified. Unity, we came together as a church, came together as a church. We unified around the truth, the truth of Christ, not about our perspectives, not about what we want, not about our political parties, not about our this, that, and the other. We unified around Christ. The church unified is a beautiful thing. The church in disunity is an ugly thing. It's not a good thing. The bride all put together is gorgeous. The bride all in disarray is not gorgeous when you're talking about the church. We came together. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate. That's going to be my next point, and humble. Romans 15, 6, so that you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. We unified together. $112 million, none of us could have done that by ourselves. I don't know, I don't know some great people in our church, generous people in our church. I don't know anybody that can write a $112 million check. If, if that's the case, God bless you and I'm glad you're here, okay? And let's, let's just go for it. Look what God could do, right? Write that check, that'd be great. It took the prisoners $9. 
It took the kid, little kids, $9. It took somebody's $90. It took somebody's $900, $9,000, $90,000, whatever it took. It took all of that together, all of us coming together as the body of Christ, unified. We couldn't do it on our own. And your number changed our number to change the impact to let God do his work. And if he hadn't jumped in, Hey, come on, we got a month left. Jump in to the game. It is awesome to be a part of it. Number three, compassion. Compassion. We reached outside of our walls. We reached outside of our walls. What a great and mighty, wonderful thing that is. Compassion. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3. I read you the beginning and the end. Let's do it again now. Finally, all of you be like-minded, unity, and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. We loved and reached people outside our walls. You know, with our Faith Center Spring Branch, we, we redid a whole church that we already own that we've um, redid. And right now, a Spanish-speaking church and a Vietnamese-speaking church is meeting there right now, as long as other, many other ministries taking place right there. It's an amazing facility of what God's done. We've given away over 3 million pounds of foods, food this year. We've given food and clothing away to countless people. We have loved people who are outside of our church. I want you to hear this loud and clear, church. We are a church that loves people who don't go to our church. Now, we love, I go to our church. Our family goes to our church. You go to our church. We love you every age and stage. Don't worry about it. We do. We do. But we also love people who will never go to our church. And we love them with our heart. We love them with our volunteering. We love them with our, 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 our monetary gifts. We love other churches in town as well. We want to play well with others. We want to do a unified thing of God using all of the churches that are Bible teaching and believing for God to do his work in that way. God is on the move. Let me just give you an example of this. I asked our missions team to put this together because I had just, just in all honesty, I had just forgotten how much we'd done. You know, when you come to our church and there's been a disaster, some type of natural disaster or something gone, you know, crazily wrong in our society, when you come to our church, typically that Sunday, you will hear somebody step up and say, church, we've given because of your generosity to the such and such. We've already given before you even, before you even get here. We don't, we don't show up and we say, hey, we, we're going to give today. Would everybody like to give? We've already given and we're already in because of your generosity. Let me just give you a list. And some of these, you'll be like, I, I forgot about that. Oh, I remember that. I forget give you a list of about 16 locations and eight different disaster types that we've given to as a church. Talking about compassion, reaching those outside the walls. The Philippines had a typhoon. Ukraine had a war, still does. Pakistan, a flood. Puerto Rico, a hurricane. Florida, a hurricane. Louisiana, a hurricane. Houston, a tornado that was in one part of our city. Syria, an earthquake. Turkey, an earthquake. Arkansas, tornadoes. Moldova, a war. Hawaii, wildfires, not flowers. I got that too, but wildfires is what we had. That's what we gave to. Mozambique, a cyclone. Morocco, an earthquake. Israel, we set aside $50,000 for the Israeli conflict that's going on. I hope you're still praying for that. Mexico, a hurricane. All of that totals up to about $450,000 we've given away to disaster. Can we just give a cheer for that? People that are in need. Hey, and if we're in Houston and we don't understand disaster relief, we got a problem, right? I mean, hello. I'm just glad Houston hurricane wasn't on that list for the last two years. And to be able to give to people in those needs, and I bet if we research 
far enough. I bet we could find another 50,000. We could just say it's half a million dollars plus. But to be able to give in those ways, let's be a church, continue to be a church that loves people that don't go to our church and that are in great need. And let's be compassionate. And let me just tell you this, just personally, if we're gonna please God as a church, we've got to please God personally. This Christmas, I know you're gonna buy all the people that love you a present, but are you gonna buy anybody who doesn't buy you a present? Are they gonna get a present? Who can you bless? We all play this game every Christmas. So I think they're gonna give us a $50 gift. We better have a $50 gift for them. Right? Well, I think they're gonna be a $100 gift. They're gonna be a $25 gift. We, we, we just don't wanna, right? We don't wanna be embarrassed. We wanna make sure we get the right, right thing. Once you give somebody something that'll give you zero, has the potential to give you zero and you just bless them. You just bless them and love somebody and show compassion in that way. Surprise somebody. Doesn't usually get a gift and you just surprise them and love on them. Unity, growth, compassion. Number four out of five, preaching and prayer. Asking God to move. During this time of Kainos, we've studied the book of Romans. We've studied the book of 1 Timothy. We led into Romans with Revelation. Let me just tell you what. Hey, Revelation, Romans, and 1 Timothy, that is not easy preaching. And for us to be able to get into that and to say, we love God's word enough. We're gonna look at the hard stuff and we're gonna ask God to move. Church, let's plead with God to move. Let's ask God to move. We have fasted and prayed every January for the last seven years of Daniel fast and Daniel feast last year. And we're gonna do it again uh, the second week of January, but we're gonna do a little different um, fasting thing that we're gonna do. We're gonna fast from some food, yes. We're also gonna fast from social media for a bit. We're gonna fast from TV. We're gonna fast from the internet. We're gonna fast from from different things because you know food sometimes is the easy thing for us. And to be able to say, Lord, we want you and we've called out on God. Do you know right now, right now in this moment, there's a group of people gathered praying in a room in our church, asking God to move through the message right now. Every week, there's a group praying that God would use the service. They don't come to the service. They pray for the service in the church building every single week. Why? Because we believe the power of God the power of God, and we have asked God to move, and God has moved. Church, let's never think, well, we're Houston's First Baptist. It'll just happen. No, let's cry out to God. And I think the blessing on Kainos is connected to the fact that we've been fasting and praying as a church, and we've been seeking out God. Let's keep doing that, preaching and praying. Make it personal, reading the word and praying. Number five, vision. We built for the future generations. We built a lot of stuff that, you know what, when we're all in heaven, people are still gonna be using it. That'll be great. Building for future generations. And that's what it'd be, if you're gonna please God, you gotta be that kind of heart in your life too. You gotta have it be a Paul trying to find a Timothy, being able to pour into other people. Proverbs 29, verse 18, without vision, the people run wild. Or it said in other versions, the people perish. But the one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Amos 3, verse 7, Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. So God gives us vision and he does what only he can do in our life. So growth, unity, compassion, preaching and prayer and vision. I think church, not that we have been a perfect church, but I think we've pleased God. And that's what's most important. And I hope when you look at your life too, that you say, I've pleased God. I'm not perfect. I, we all got sin, but we want to be able to say, Lord, we want to please you. Here's what it happens. Prayer is going to eradicate sin in your life or sin's going to eradicate prayer in your life. It's going to go one way or the other. 
And I want, you want prayer and Bible study to eradicate sin instead of sin to eradicate prayer and Bible study. And to be able to say, Lord, we want you and we want to please God because here's what's going to happen. It says there at the end of this verse 22, you are my beloved son and with you I am well pleased. And that's us in Christ. We can hear God say that to us. And then Matthew 25, verse 23, for the, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, let me show you one last scripture and then we're done. It's verse 23 of Luke chapter three. So verse 22 says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. We're talking about pleasing God. And that's basically Psalm 2, verse 7 and Isaiah 42, verse 1. If you want to write that in your notes, that's where he's taking that phrase from the Old Testament as well. Verse 23, as he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old. Good news, God is first pleased with who we are. Good news. Jesus' baptism, he had not performed any miracles yet. And God says, I'm pleased with you. See it? And in Christ, our identity is pleasing to God so that then our activity can be pleasing to God. You see it? I gave it to you a few minutes ago. It's not do the activity to try to get the identity. That's works. It's have the identity of Jesus Christ as your Savior. So then you have the activity. I'm telling you the gospel because I've received the gospel and it's changed my life. I'm in Christ, so I want to tell you how to be in Christ. I'm in Jesus, so I've got a spiritual gift in me, so I want to use it for his glory. My identity informs my activity, right? I'm not preaching to earn salvation. I'm preaching because I am saved. I'm not reading my Bible because I want to get saved. I'm reading my Bible because I, I, I am saved, and I want to know about Jesus. I, I wrote it like this in this morning's devotional that I hope all of you all already read, but maybe not. Here's what it is. One paragraph, here it is about what I'm trying to say here. Take this as your own. Before Jesus ministered for God, he was pleasing to God. Meaning we are also pleasing to and loved by God before we have done a thing for him. Whew. Heavenly approval is granted, not gained. It's called grace. It's called grace. And it said there, to put it all together, you're my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old. From this point in Luke 2, he then begins to perform all the miracles and live out who he was as the son of God. He was about 30 years old. Now that was the age that priests in the Old Testament, Numbers uh, chapter four, I believe, uh, yes, maybe so. I think it's Numbers chapter four is where they say that the Levite priests become um, uh, at 30 years old, become the priest. Let me say one thing and we're gonna jump to our last thing and we're done. Hey, is God calling you to ministry? Vocational ministry. I just felt light on my heart today to just ask that question. Is God calling you to vocational ministry? I talked to a, a friend that was part of our denomination. He said, in our little region, there's 30 churches without pastors. Talked to another friend. He said, we've got 63 open positions for this one place in ministry. We have three resumes. I'm telling you, I want to call out the call right now. If God's calling you to vocational ministry, we need you. We want you. God's got a plan for you. You step out in faith and you walk with God into the greatest blessings of your life. And if you're not called out in vocational ministry, hey, your ministry is a vocation. And we need you just as much. 
So here we have Jesus steps into that 30, 30, he steps in. Now he's always been the son of God. He's always been doing ministry, all this stuff. But we see the pleasure of God and then him stepping out and walking with God in an amazing way. Good news in Christ, you're unconditionally loved. Your identity informs your activity, not the reverse. Last thing, and this is it, we'll close. We've got a cute little dog. Our little dog's named Latte. So my name is M-A-T-T-E. His name is L-A-T-T-E. So we call him Latte Mate is what we call him in our house. Cute little dog. It's not a very masculine dog, but he's a cute little dog. Let me show you a picture of my buddy Latte. I'll see him in just a little bit. I love Latte. He's got a cute underbite, you know, there. We're not quite in love with him enough to call a doggy orthodontist, but we've got Latte there, which is a sweet little Latte. We took this picture. He'd just come back from the groomers. He's got a little handkerchief from the groomers, his little name badge that we already had on him in case he gets lost. So he's got his handkerchief. So, you know, we paid like $1,000 probably to get him groomed. I don't know what it was. $10,000. Those places are expensive. We got a little handkerchief. That's what we got out of the deal. But there he is, a beautiful, sweet little dog. I love Latte. I love Latte. I love Latte when he's clean. Oh, he comes back from the groomers. He jumps up in my lap. He just sits with me all the time. He's a snuggler, sweet little dog. I mean, you give him a little piece of popcorn, he'll be your friend forever. He's right there. Love Latte. Sitting in my lap there. I love Latte. But I tell Latte this. I tell it to his face. I just, I don't know if he speaks English, but I say it to him. When he's been a long time, he's about to go back to the groomers and it's about, he needs a haircut and he needs all that stuff. I tell him, I say, Latte, I have an uncon, I have a conditional love for you. I love you when you're clean and I love you when you smell good, but I don't want you in your lap after you've been in my lap, after the yard. So I don't, you know, shove him. I just gently nudge him off the couch, right? Because we're foolish enough that we bought a white couch. What kind of crazy person does that with dogs and kids? But we, we bought that. And so we kind of push him on and he sits faithfully at my, my feet, just, you know, <laughs> sadly looking up at me. But man, when... When he gets taken to the groomers and they do all, and they brush his hair. We're supposed to brush it every day. We don't. We're supposed to do all this stuff. We're supposed to, you know, then they told us to brush his teeth every day. I'm like, I'm not brushing a dog's teeth. Are you kidding me? And so when he comes back, ooh, I love Latte. He's so clean. He's so snuggly. He smells so good. A handkerchief just sits with me. And some of us think that we're God's pet instead of God's children. You're not God's dog. He loves you when you're dirty. He doesn't have a conditional love for you. He has an unconditional love for you. He wants you in his lap, if you will, when you have sinned because he wants you to know the righteousness of Christ and the identity if you're a believer in Christ that you have in Jesus. Now, are the things that we do that aren't pleasing to God? Absolutely. It's called sin and we should run from it. But in Christ, we are his children and therefore pleasing to God. You're not his dog, you're his daughter. You're not his dog, you're his son. And allow God to do something new in you. That's what this whole thing's about, changing lives. It's church. 
I tried to show you in Revelation chapter 21 that God makes all things new. Church, we've asked a hard question of our own souls and our own church. Have we been pleasing to God? We've given some answers, yes. And personally, we have to look at those and say, okay, Lord, am I pleasing to you? Are we pleasing to you as a church? And then now we see in Luke chapter three, getting our hearts ready for Christmas, the birth is connected to the baptism and the baptism is connected to the miracles and the miracles connected to the cross and the cross is connected to the tomb and the tomb's connected to the ascension and the ascension's connected to the second coming and all those things are connected and me and you being in heaven one day. That's the gospel of Luke, not just the manger. And that's where we're going this month, guys. And we're celebrating today. It's coming at the end of the month. We're celebrating it today, all that God has done through us. Father, we come in Jesus' name with great celebration, Lord. Salvation truly has come. Father, thank you that we got to be a blessing to people in disaster relief situations. What a joy. Thank you, Lord, that people are, are, are ministering and, and, and walking and worshiping in and, and facilities that we refurbished, maybe languages that are not familiar to us, and that we're loving people outside of our church. Somebody's eating a meal today because of our church. We say thank you, God. And we're ministering to folks inside our church, and all of us have been blessed. And we just tell you, Lord, kainos. You've done something great because you're a great God. And we didn't do this to try to earn your favor. We did this because we have your favor. And we are blessed to be a blessing. So may, may we live out what you put into us. We love you. Take just a moment. Would you just say thank you to God? Thank you for what he's done in our church. Thank you for what he's done in your life. Pray for the strength to live it out. Father, we thank you that we're not your dog. We're your children. And your love is unconditional, just as we would be with a grandbaby or a baby or a niece or nephew. We we want them to come with skinned knees. We want them to come with dirty faces. We want them to get into our lap. We want them to wrinkle our clothes, so to speak. We want them in our lives so that we can love them well. And you are God to the hundredth fold of that, millionth fold. Do something kainos in us this December, God. And we thank you for what you are present tense doing in our church. From the prisoner to the child, to the senior adult, to everybody in between. We give you thanks, God, and we celebrate today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.